This is tape one of the series, The Destination of Faith, Heaven, by Dr. Joel Hunter. The subject of this message is, Why Study Heaven? Dr. Hunter has chosen Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, from the New International Version of the Bible, as a scripture text, and it reads as follows. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. To give us a little background and introduce his new series, here's Dr. Joel Hunter. Thank you, Bill. We are in the fifth year of a ten-year journey toward spiritual maturity. Let me give you some background of where we've come so far. The first year was a transition year, kind of a how-to-prepare-for-the-journey year, how to break out of the ordinary cycle of spirituality and really set our minds to become mature in Christ. The second year, we talked about God's purpose for our lives, especially in five major areas. And we considered that God does have a purpose for our lives, that we're not just down here to see how we do, that God actually has a plan for our lives. The third year, we talked about how God uses adversity. He doesn't just allow adversity. He uses adversity in our lives in order to grow our maturity and our faith and to let us see his provision. The fourth year, we talked about relationships, why God made us for relationships, how we form relationships. And then we we closed that year by considering the book of Revelation and what we will face together as Christians in the future that will tremendously affect our relationships. Now, while we are looking at the future, it is a very good time to go into the fifth year, which is faith. We're going to be considering the whole dynamic of faith and how to walk by faith and not by sight. That is a future-oriented position. And to begin this year, we're going to be talking about our ultimate destination, our long-term future. We're going to be talking about heaven. People are confused about heaven when they, when they talk about heaven. All they have are folk tales or personal feelings, when really the Bible says a lot about what heaven will be like. It says a lot about how we can know what it will be like. Um, it says a lot about uh, whether or not we have to wait for the blessings of heaven. And that's key. We're going to be seeing in the next few months that we don't have to wait for heaven. Heaven is not only in the future, heaven is right now, exercising a very real power and a very direct, real direction for our lives right now. So join us now as we prepare to hear the Word of God with praise and worship. This year we're talking about faith, about that mysterious adventure. Faith and its destination, heaven. By virtue of Definition is something that does not reveal many details. And so we find ourselves in the position of longing for something, and we don't quite know exactly what we want.
TV. NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, TBS, TNN, TNC, MTV, VH1, HBO, HBO2, A snack. <laughs> what do I want? Honey, I went to the 7-Eleven. I got some ice cream. You want to share? It's double chocolate fudge brownie chunkhead surprise. <laughs> Perfect. Just what I wanted. Double chocolate fudge brownie chunkhead surprise is just what you wanted, huh? No. <laughs> no. Being here with you is just what I want. Of course, a little ice cream wouldn't be bad. Tim and Alice Bass. You've had the feeling, that, that longing, that want, that hunger, and you don't quite know what it is. That's the best entrance we can make to our discussion of heaven. Because frankly, we don't know all the details of heaven. You see, we know that when we go to heaven, our wants will be answered more in terms of relationship than in acquisition. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Relationship. But one of the alarming things about the Christian faith is that we have lost perspective of eternity. And I re really believe it, it's one of, the, one of the biggest problems of the Christian faith in America today is that we no longer have a sense of heaven or eternity. Now, at the beginning of every series, I, I try to just give a brief message on why we're doing this thing, why we're doing this deal, why I feel like I do. And, and I've got, just got four reasons for you today, and you probably have more and better reasons than I'll give you today, but let's just run through them. Number one is just the simple fact that we will live 99.9999999999999 ad infinitum percent of our lives in heaven or in hell. You see, what we have here is just a little speck of time. But we've lost this understanding of this perspective. Much to our impoverishment and much to our disease. 
I don't know if you read, uh, I think it was this week or last week, uh, there was an article in the paper, paper about the popularity of Prozac. I could not believe how, what percentage of the American population is on Prozac. And then I thought, no, wait a minute, I do believe it. You know why? Because all of us are living this ridiculous, stress-filled, try-to-cram-everything-into-life pace. Why? Because we've lost sight of eternity. We think this is the only time we've got. When I, when I was growing up, there was a, a television program called Beat the Clock. I don't know how many of you remember that. I don't know. I, I forget who Bud Collier or somebody was the MC of that thing. And they and the whole the hilarity of this thing. They gave these people impossible tasks, and you had to accomplish the impossible task in a minute. And so they just get the clock going, and these people run back and forth, and you know, spill everything over themselves, and get all frustrated, and you know, and of course all the audience is laughing, you know. When I look at my life. When I look at your lives, I feel like I'm watching beat the clock. I feel like everybody assumes that this little segment of time we have is the only time we have. This brief physical existence, and if we're going to get any learning or any fulfillment or any gratification, we've got to do it here and now. See? <laughs> I, if I were to tell you, I know I, I put a second on your on your uh, uh, sermon outlines, but it's it's almost imagine, unimaginable to, to to do that. So let's let's go with the beat the clock minute. If I were to tell you that during 1995, you have to cram all of your fulfillment, all of your learning, all of your potential, all of your right decisions, all of your gratification into one minute of 1995, July, let's say, so one minute in July. That's all the time you have. Would you not be stressed out about that? Of course you would. But you know what? In proportion to how long we will live, this physical existence is not even a minute in proportion to a year. It's not even a second. It's not even a nanosecond. But yet all of us feel like we have to solve all of our problems and get all of our fulfillment here Quick. We've, we've been segmented. We've watched television for so long. Something happened, I think, when we came off the farm. I, I really think we kind of lost perspective of the seasons, you know? And we, and, we, and we started getting paid by the hour or by the piece. And, and we, and we uh, started looking at this little box where everything got resolved in a half an hour. Or an hour at the longest. Or maybe a movie, uh, two and a half hours in. And so we, we kind of sense that, okay, whatever problems are, that's how long I have. And we've segmented life. And we've begun to believe that these little segments of life are, are our entire life. We segment it into affinity groups or into different, you know, portions of the day. We even, when we come to church, we even segment the population. Now, I, I don't object to this in the, in the, in the, in the overall perspective, it's what we've got to do. But you know what I miss? I miss kids in worship. I miss that. I hope we can get more kids in worship. Saturday evenings, by the way, we are going to begin to have kids worshiping with us every Saturday evening. For the first part of the... For, it's in your uh, uh, newspaper there. But for the first part, we're going to have a kid's sermon. I miss listening to the kid's sermons. That used to be the only kind I could understand, you know? <laughs> When I was 30, 40 years old, that was the only kind. Of... But, 
and 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 kids singing and 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 doing puppet stuff and drama and 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 kids leading adults in worship. You know why we need that? Not for the entertainment value, but so that we can get a sense that if the Lord doesn't come again, He's got all kinds of generations that He's going to be working through. You know, people will live after we die. They really will. It's going to be all right. If God doesn't come again, there's other folks coming. We lose sight of that. We feel like it's all on us. Well, and not only that, but when we get what we think we want, how long does it last? You know, let me ask you a question. Did you, some of you who bought presents for your kids uh, Christmas Day, how long did the thrill last? You know, two minutes later, you got anything else? You know, you know? or yourself, you know, you got something you're, oh, come on, you know, that's, it's gone. Psst, see, you. as a matter of fact, there's a, there's a scripture that I love. It's in Proverbs. Proverbs is a book right after Psalms. You, you get to Psalms by sticking your thumb right in the middle of the Bible. Now it'll get you to Psalms and then the, Proverbs is the book right after and we're going to go to Ecclesiastes, which is the book right after Proverbs after this. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. I, I love this little segment. You know, Proverbs kind of le- reads like a dictionary. You know, it, the plot keeps changing, but, but all the sections are good and accurate. And, and it says, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. In other words, in, in, in place of wealth here, you could probably just put all of the worldly goods that you think you desire. Sit, don't, wor- don't wear yourself out. Why? Look at verse 5. Because when you set your eyes on it, it's gone. It's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings and flies toward heaven. How many of you, in every worldly gratification, have found that to be true? You know, you you, you got it, but then it just kind of goes off. It just is gone. And there are more and more people who feel like they're working harder and harder and, and rushing more and more for less and less gratification. You know why? Because you feel like this is all we got. This is the only chance you have. You know what? It's just practice, folks. This is just practice. Relax. We got a whole eternity to live. That's why we need to study eternity. To get that back into our mentality. Now the second reason is that God has put into our lives a gear of dissatisfaction that keeps pointing us to something else so that we will not lose that perspective. Uh, Read in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 with me. In here, it's in terms of time. And you remember the first part of Ecclesiastes has this wonderful, for everything there is a season and a time for every purpose unto heaven. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap, a time to uh, embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. Wonderful. Now after... The writer says that he brings in another issue of time. Look at verse 11. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He just said that. Now he brings up something new. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so as man will not find out the work which God has done from beginning even to the end. In other words, God has invaded our hearts 
with a sense that there is more than this and a hunger for that more. This word in Hebrew is a very mysterious uh, and, and uh, um, um, unfathomable word. It's not used elsewhere in the Bible. Olam is, is and, it, and it, it means, it has a sense of everything good connected with it, uh, beauty and virtue and so on and so forth. But it also has this sense of time. But it's not time like we think. It's time out of your mind. You know, when we think of time and how time can help us, we think either of the past or of the future. We say, okay, I'm going to go into the future. I'm going to fix my mistakes. Things are going to be better in the future. Or we say, you know, if we could just get back to the good old days. If we could just live like we used to live. So time is connected with something that is yet to come. Watch this. In this word, this olam word, it's time out of our minds. We step and we look at the past and we look at the future and it's the same thing. There are eternal principles. There is another world. As expressed in the Gloria Patri. Remember, remember singing that? We're going to sing it in a little while. That as it was in the beginning, it is now and ever shall be world without end. Olam. That's eternity. That is that very real world. And this, this world has invaded our hearts. That's what's in here. That's what keeps pulling us around. There's something better. There's something more permanent. There's something more fulfilling. Cicero wrote, Tempus est par quidem eternitatis. That's not Latin. And if Miss Summers taught me right, it means time is part of a certain eternity. See, what we have right now is just a little segment, just a little slot. But we have this longing. And we, we can't even have a detailed fantasy, but we just know it's going to be, going to be better when we kind of graduate into the next level of spiritual maturity. You know, when I was a little boy, uh, pre-adolescent, in Shelby, Ohio, what there was to do during the summer was go to the public pool. And so I'd go to the public pool, and I'm going to try not to describe this too much in detail because I don't want you flying off into fantasy worlds of your own, but all of the beautiful girls were lifeguards there. And, and, and I didn't know very much about girls, but I, there's something about just seeing these homecoming queens in bathing suits that would, and they'd, they'd come up and they'd grab me, Jesus, oh, Joey, you're so cute, and they'd rub my little head, you know. And I'd go, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't know why I was doing it. I didn't know enough why I was doing it. I just had this. And then I'd, I'd look at them and I'd look at this old sorry pre-adolescent body and I'd just groan. You know? Like it says, look, look at Romans uh, chapter 8. It, it says in another sense, uh, chapter 8. Oh, Romans is a wonderful uh, chapter of anticipation. This longing. Um... Verse 23. After it talks about groaning and anxious longing for several verses, then it says this. Not only this, but we also ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, that is, some hint of what's to come. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, awaiting eagerly for our adoption as sons. That could also be read, not literally but figuratively, adaption as sons. For our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Well, back to the pool. 
Here I am, slobbering, not knowing why, not having any kind of detailed fantasy, just knowing that if my body looked more like her body, I could probably have a better relationship someday with women than I had right now. That's all I had to go on. And there was something in me just said, oh, Lord, hurry it up. You know, let the day come. How many kids grow up wishing they could be older at every stage? At every stage. Well, you know what? There is that in us. We have this longing for maturity. And when you get old, you don't wish that you could get older. You just wish you could be what you know you could be someday. That's that groaning inside of you. Why? Because Christ is working. Christ is working. Let's go to the next point. The reason that we study eternity is not only because we have this longing that pulls us toward that subject. The reason we study heaven is because everyone has an innate longing for heaven. I just read, read this week, 90% of Americans believe in heaven. Why? I mean, more people probably believe in heaven than believe uh, in any kind of personal God. Why? Because God set eternity into their hearts. Now, why else would we study heaven? Because it's important to know what heaven is doing in us now. Now. You see, when we talk about heaven, we're not just talking about some place. We're talking about the Lord who occupies heaven. We're talking about our relationship with Christ. We're talking about a life that doesn't start when we die, a life that started when we met Christ and when we received Him into our hearts. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, says this. It gives us instructions. It says... Then, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. That's a present imperative. It says, don't stop. Continuous, repetitive, keep looking at what's above. Keep seeking the things that are above. Now, here is the most important phrase in that sentence. Where Christ is. Where Christ is. So we have this longing for this relationship, this closer relationship with Christ. But not only that, there is a reciprocal interaction. Because it talks in the first chapter about this, it says, uh, uh, verse 4, Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love which you have for all saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word, in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world. There is that continual interaction. Heaven comes to us. Now look. Most of us have the wrong philosophy of history. This is the philosophy we have. This is the way we've been taught. Okay, there used to be the past. Now there's the present. Then there's the future. Then you die. And if you're a believer, you're in heaven. And so heaven begins when you die. That's not the biblical perspective. The biblical perspective is that heaven is above them all. Heaven has molded the past. Heaven is influencing the present. Heaven spelled Christ. Christ spelled God. You know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. So God is working in us right now. And He has secured the future. Heaven isn't some place you go after you die. Heaven, after you die, you comprehend what heaven has been all along. 
and how heaven has influenced your life right now and where God is in your life right now and what Christ is trying to do in you right now. Because you know what? You're on this journey. We're going to talk about this journey of faith this, this year. If God just wanted you to go to heaven, He'd kill you right now. Hey, why would we? Why would we not? Why would we be sticking around here if it's God's will for you to go to heaven? I mean, some of you, I know some of you. Listen to this. I didn't say this in other services, but I feel like I need to say it here. Some of you are in such pain that when we begin to talk about heaven, you're going to want to go there, and you're going to say, "I don't want to wait." I don't want to wait. Well, let me tell you this. If that was God's will, you'd be there right now. I want to tell you that it's God's will that you journey a while together so that you can see He is here. You don't see Him fully enough here right now. You don't feel His companionship and His love fully enough right here. That's what He wants to teach you. That's why we're all sticking around this place and undergoing what we're undergoing. Look in, look in Genesis chapter 28. What a great verse this is. Je- God's talking with Jacob. Jacob's just had this dream. These angels are going up and down. And, and, and he's had this dream. And God makes this promise to him. See? And then he says something very curious. Look at verse 15. It says, And behold, I am with you, and will keep you, Wherever you go, now look at this, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised or what I have spoken. That's give him the land. Give him the land he's on right now. Well, why doesn't he give it to him right there? I mean, they're there together. Because God's got a journey to go on with Jacob, teaching him things. How God is not just in heaven, how God is on earth. As a matter of fact, Jacob proclaims, and this is the walk of faith, surely God is in this place and I didn't know it. That's what God wants to teach you. Surely God's in my life and I didn't know it. God's in this place and I didn't know it. It's important for you to know, in the words of Ephesians, that all things in heaven and on earth are summed up in Christ. That's why we're still here. We haven't learned that lesson completely yet. And then one more thing. It's important to know that even as, as God forms that character in us, that character which will be translated into heaven, by the way, the skills won't. I know everybody buys how-to books these days. Well, God, you're not going to have to worry about how-to in heaven. You don't, get, you don't arrive in heaven and say, Well, I came and I know how to be a success because I went through Harvard Business School training and I'm going to whip this place into shape. It's in shape. It's in shape. I was talking to a student athlete the other day and, and he was talking about a kid who had just been belligerent and rebellious, mouthing off all season, and, and finally just the coach had just had it. And this was the star of the team. And the coach said, Look, your attitude is horrible. You're off the team. And I looked at this student athlete and I said, I hope that the coach sticks to that. Because the character you build in team sports is every bit as important as the skills you build in team sports. And this athlete looked at me and corrected me. And he said, no, the character is all that really counts. 
I'm not going to be doing this when I'm 30 or 40 or 50, but I'll have the character when I'm 30 or 40 or 50. When you get into heaven, you're not going to be doing what you're doing right now. But you'll enter heaven with the character you have developed on this earth. So you see, Christ is forming his character in you, fitting you for heaven right now. And we're going to learn about that. Now, we're also going to learn one more thing. That as we study heaven, we will be able to build, let's say, ways, we could say skills, in this world that will build eternal things. Because, you see, we're not just being built for heaven. We're being built to reveal heaven, to live heaven down here. And in order to do that, we have to step out of our immediate circumstance. Remember when you were up north and you tried to walk a straight line in the snow? The best way to walk a straight line is to pick out a point straight ahead and to walk toward that thing. It's not to look at your feet and try to put one foot in front of the other. If you try to do that, you'll have the most crooked line. You know what? Most of us live our life day to day, solving problem to problem, and wonder why we don't make better progress. Wonder why we're going around in circles. Wonder why I seem to be doing the same thing over and over again, and it's not helping. You know why? Because you're not keeping your eyes on what is eternal. You still have them wrapped up what's in the world. And the Bible says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who is in heaven, the author and finisher of our faith. So in order to do that, you've got to step out of this present circumstance. I, I, uh, every once in a blue moon, I, I get a, a free afternoon, and, and I did Friday. I had a free afternoon. And Becky and I, when we do that, sometimes we just like to go watch Northland kids play sports. Uh, church kids, you know, church kids that we've, we've seen growing up. And so... We went uh, to this basketball game. Two Christian schools were playing each other, and, and we had kids on both teams. And, of course, you root for the, north, you know, your, the kids that you know. And, and, uh, and we sat through one basketball game and then another basketball game. And then I, I saw my first ever girls' basketball game. Never seen a girls' basketball game before. Well, I watched a girls' basketball game a little bit different. You know, the guys, I, I keep watching for the packs, you know, pack is junk, you know, and people yelling at each other and all that kind of stuff. But with the girls, I just... I, I, was curious and I was more observant in more detail. Well, five of the, of the I mean, all the starting team from one of these schools goes to Northland. And so I, and I know these girls. And, and, and I watched this one that I knew had been to several basketball clinics. And watching her play basketball was like a clinic for me. I learned more from watching that girl play basketball, how to play basketball, than I'd ever known. Because basketball, obviously, is not my sport. <coughs> all right, all right. You don't have to laugh that loud or that long. But here's this girl who, you know, every, every time she goes down the court, she knows how to position her body, either, either to receive the ball, to, the, to, to get the easiest shot, or to, to get in front of uh, their offense when she's playing defense. She's always in the right position. Technically, absolutely perfect. Now, she didn't learn that by playing basketball. She only learned that by stepping out of the circumstance, going to someone who had observed the sport and could tell her where to put her body in case the ball bounced her way. Could I say to you, we need to do the same thing. 
We will not be effective by reading all the how-to books in the world. We need to step back and get a higher view of the world. We need to go to the clinic of heaven in order to be able to live the most effectively down here and to build the longest term down here in case the ball bounces our way. Pray with me now. God, as we begin this wonderful time, this exciting study, you know I can't wait to get into this thing. Give us a a sense of importance, not a sense of urgency. A sense of importance, of depth about the subject that we are about to discover in the pages of your book. Teach us to pray, to have the mentality of heaven. Teach us to read, to understand about heaven. Because we know that's where we will spend practically all every bit of our existence. Father, I would pray this this morning, that you have given us a way to heaven, and that way is Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And there may be some people right now who wonder if they're going to heaven. If they wonder that, God, teach them that the way is Christ, that there's nobody good enough to live in heaven. Heaven is perfect. There's no way to earn your own way or pay for your own sins. But through your grace and through Jesus Christ, the price has been paid. And they can accept the free gift of salvation and become citizens of heaven. Let them make that choice this morning by saying, Jesus, come live in my life. So that it's no longer I who live, but you who lives in me. And and make of my life whatever will glorify you and build eternity down here. And for the rest of us, God, who have already prayed that prayer... Set eternity in our hearts as you have done, but also give us the mind of Christ who lives in heaven that we might not only get to heaven, but we might live to heaven while we are here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.